0: Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast, in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. We long to see the body of Christ look like Jesus. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact and donate. And don't forget to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast app to be notified when new episodes come out each Tuesday. And go leave a rating and review. It's easy, it only takes a second, and it helps us find new listeners to the show. Just go to the show page on the app that you're using right now and hit five stars. It really is that easy. So thank you so much. Previous guests on the show have included Andrew Root, Justin Bailey, and Christopher Watkin. You could go back, listen to those episodes and more. But today's guest is Mark Baker. I'm really excited to have Mark back on the podcast If you haven't listened to the previous episode I did with him, it is well worth a listen. It would actually inform some of the way that you hear this episode, too. So go back, listen to that one as well. Mark Baker is professor of mission and theology at Fresno Pacific Bible Seminary. He previously was a missionary in Honduras for 10 years and a campus minister with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at Syracuse University for three years. He continues ministry involvement in Latin America through regular visits. He has written a number of books in English and Spanish, including Ministering in Honor-Shame Cultures and Centered Set Church. His latest book is Freedom from Religiosity and Judgmentalism, Studies in Paul's Letter to the Galatians. So Mark and I sit down and we have a great conversation around Paul's Letter to the Galatians. We talk about non-judgmentalism, bounded, fuzzy, and centered sets as a lens in which to view Galatians, our orientation to God and to each other in the body of Christ, and spiritual powers that have influenced us and the freedom that we have from them. It's a really good conversation, so enjoy my conversation with Mark Baker. Mark, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Joshua. It's great to be back on again. Yeah. I'd love to dive straight in to uh, your new book, Freedom from Religiosity and Judgmentalism, uh, a study in Paul's letter to the Galatians. So we're going to dive into Galatians and uh, we're going to dive into figuring out where do we get this freedom? How do we get this freedom? Um, So let's start with uh, a setup to Galatians. Um, What is Paul getting that? What's the letter? And what's the what's the lens in which we're trying to view this book?
1: Maybe a place to start actually is with Luther, because I think that has put us on a path to assuming we know what's going on in Galatians in a way that yeah, if Luther wasn't on the scene, we'd probably think differently. And um so yeah, you know, sometimes Bible scholars dig very, very deep into details for new readings and stuff. And this is a situation I think more where I'm inviting readers, um, hey, just read the letter and, you know, sort of just in an obvious way, what do you think is going on? So I think what, what has happened is because Luther, through reading Paul, Galatians and Romans, he was someone, you know, burdened with guilt, um, and confused about salvation, thinking was by works. He receives um, correction, freedom, uh, salvation through reading Paul. And and since the Reformation time, I think many of us have tended to read Galatians as if Paul was writing the letter to people like Luther hmm. who were struggling with guilt and that the problem that was going on in the church of Galatia was that there were people there, as in Luther's day, who were teaching salvation as by works. Um, and so what I... What what I say is, well, let's read the letter of Galatians itself and see from the letter what are clues as to what was going on, why Paul is writing the letter. And I think um a really big clue is a story that Paul recounts in chapter two, where he tells about this situation this time when um in Antioch he tells this story of The people, the Christians in Antioch are all eating together. One table, Jews and Gentiles, um, table fellowship, followers of Jesus eating together. And this is a radical thing. This is something the Jews didn't do. And now, but because of Jesus, they're doing it together. Peter comes to visit. He joins in the table fellowship. Doesn't surprise us. Peter's the way that, you know, through Cornelius opened the way. Um, But then these visitors come from Jerusalem who are also Jesus followers, uh, you know, what we would call Christians. And uh, but but these are, yeah, these are Jewish men lived their whole life not interacting with Gentiles in this way. And they just don't have it in themselves to join the table fellowship. So they have their own little table off to the side and they're kind of looking, you know, askance critically at Peter, because how could Peter be doing this? Um, So, and again, Paul is telling this story. This is Galatians 2, 11 through 14 or so. And. And then what happens is Peter feels this pressure, and this is not in the text, what I imagine is Peter is sitting there and thinking like, oh, you know, what are they going to say about when when they're back in Jerusalem, and feels this pressure that many of us have felt in church kind of situations, when we were on the wrong side of a line. Um, You know, I remember one time as a college student, we went on this, um, this is a long time ago, back in the late 70s, and went on a field trip to a... And I won't name the church or even where, yeah, doesn't <laughs> believe it all, what even state it was in. But this is a very big church. But I walked in, you know, and this is the 70s, and I have my long hair and you know, nice colorful shirt. It was a Sunday evening service. I walk in and everyone else there had um yeah, hair was above their ears. They were all wearing white, all the men were wearing white shirts and ties. And I immediately feel like, oh, and you and feel this shame, yeah. of like, oh and it wasn't because I, I well leave me aside get back to peter so that sort of feeling of like oh you know people are looking at me Shane. so i think peter's feeling that he pulls back and leaves the table and this is not just oh you know let's have you know have a snack after church or something this is where they're they're having um not just fellowship but communion the lord's yeah. supper and then the other jewish christians leave from the table so and Paul says then, he confronts Peter and says, Peter, what are you doing? You're not living according to the truth of the gospel. And then he says, um, you know, in 2.16, hey, it's it's through the faithfulness of Jesus that we, even us Jews, this is how we're justified, brought into covenant relationship with God, the Gentiles as well. Okay, mm-hmm. so why is Peter telling, why is Paul telling that story? Um, so now if we go back to Luther for a moment. If if the reason Paul is writing the letter to the Galatians is because there were individuals weighed down by guilt and confused about um, a teaching that's teaching you're saved by your works, why is P, why is Paul telling this story? Like it it doesn't have anything to do with guilt, um, and it's not there. There's no mention of teaching. It's this. It's this question of. Who belongs at the table? What do you need to live like a Jew in order to to be at this table fellowship? So Paul, I think, is telling this story because something very similar is going on in Galatia. And he is concerned that, again, there's going to be this ripping apart of the community. So what I think um, when Paul is writing the letter, he is writing out of concern for the community. Uh, not to say there's not implications for individuals and their belief, and I think you know Paul. Like I don't think Luther was wrong to come to the conclusions he did through reading the letter. They're like right. this has implications for Israel for individuals, but I don't think that was what was driving Paul to write it. Um, and then one other observation, and I'll yeah bring this long response to a a, a, a close here, and then, uh, well, you can ask the question around, and then I'll go on to lenses, is a really important thing is everyone in the letter to the Galatians is already a Christian. Hmm. They're already Jesus followers. So this is not that um, Paul is writing to people who are not Christians and telling them the way to become a Christian is through grace, not through works. Everyone in here has already experienced God's grace. But they're sliding into this line-drawing judgmentalism, I would say, over do you need to live like a Jew to truly be part of the family of God. So some outside missionaries, other missionaries have come in who are Jewish, and they're uh, seeking to persuade the Gentile believers in Galatia, you need to be living like us Jews. Mm. And and yeah, this sort of thing, you know, like that, you or I or Brothers Experience to sort of like to truly be a Christian. To be a good Christian, yeah. you need to do things. So I think that is the issue that Paul
0: is uh yeah, confronting. Do you want to say anything about that? Should I go into lenses? Well let's or? yeah, let's uh let's say a, a couple of things. Uh one, if I I think that happens a lot even today, of missionaries coming in and blurring the lines or drawing the lines of saying, this is how you need to live. And there's going to be a lot of uh, reteaching that needs to happen, some unlearning so that we could learn again. And oftentimes as, as missionaries, as we go out, we don't often think about what has to be unlearned before we start to learn again and move into a different direction of how this paradigm needs to shift. And change, and so Paul's doing that. And and two, I think even contrasting uh, what Paul is saying in Galatians, it reminds me of of First Corinthians, where where Paul is really concerned about uh, the the rich eating all the food before the poor come, that there is division in the body, that he wants people at the table. Um, to to be there together, uh, it seems to be a, a critical import to to Paul, not just here in Galatians, but in other letters that he has written. That this unity that we have, Jew and Gentile, uh, slave and free, whoever it is, that we're together, uh, it seems to be this is the this is one of the big things that Paul is really after. That we don't lose that because that's how how the world knows. Uh, who Jesus is is the way that we love one another right <laughs> yeah and I think that's especially true Joshua for for those of us from the
1: west we tend to read more through individualistic lenses um that we can yeah we can turn Paul's community orientation into read it it's about me when yeah I think you're right that he has this deep burden for the
0: community the health of the community and what yeah what its witness is as a community yeah and uh you know as you've been doing a lot of work with centered set church and what are centered sets bounded sets fuzzy sets and if we take that lens and and viewing of galatians we could start to to look at what the the community is doing here so if you could want to speak a little bit to to what those are um and if People want to hear more, they could go back to our, our earlier podcast episode where we go in deep. But give us a little general overview of what those things are and then how we could that informs our reading of Galatians. So, this is something I'm borrowing from Paul Hubert, missiologist,
1: and this is a, a very visual concept. So, I will invite you to go to centersetchurch.com. And if you scroll down to the second pane there, there's a thing that says um, free PDF or something like that, and it has that has diagrams of what I'm going to explain right now. Um, so hit pause, go get that, come back. So, uh, so this is about who, uh, how, how a community, how a group defines who belongs, discerns who belongs, might be a better way of saying it. And so, one is a group that draws a line, and it has a certain set of characteristics. Qualities, beliefs, draws a line, and then we have a circle. And whoever's within that, who who adheres to these things, complies. They're part of the group, and the group just looks, and you could feel this is what these people were doing. Who arrived from Jerusalem, They like their line was, you don't eat with Gentiles. These Gentiles need to be circumcised and even live like Jews in order to be inside our line. We can eat with them. So that's a that's called a bounded group bounded sets borrowing from math so a bounded set uh church is this line that's drawn and whoever complies is within and the others without and um this has especially in churches i mean there are there's you know bounded groups in society that um know it's not like an evil thing to be bounded there are things i tell my seminary students you're a bounded group you applied You paid your tuition. You got, you know, your GPA is high enough. You're in. Um, But in churches, it tends to go in the direction of judgmentalism and this sense of we're in, we're better, um, and then and a lot of shaming that goes on as you get closer to the line or going over the line. Therefore, uh, some people that they don't want this judgmentalism, and clearly the line is the problem. So I say, get liter get rid of the line and you erase the line. Um, and then what you have then is a fuzzy group and it takes care of the judgmentalism problem, but it creates new problems. So no. a fuzzy group, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, its sense of identity uh, dissipates because there's not something what's, yeah, it's not very clear who we are, why we are. Very hard to work for conversion in a fuzzy group because what are you calling the people to? And yeah, just ethically, discipleship, it's a low bar. Um, it's it's about tolerance, you know, not upsetting anyone. And that's yeah, I heard someone recently say, you know, you don't say to your wife or, you know, your your girlfriend, whatever, like, oh, I tolerate you. Like, yeah, that's not gonna <laughs> take you very far. So love is a much higher bar. Well, that's so, true. My wife
0: would not like that.
1: <laughs> no. So Hebert offers a third alternative. So bounded and and fuzzy are on the same continuum. They're just different extremes. And so we go for, well, what's a, a different way of discerning whether someone belongs is rather than looking at their relationship with certain standard beliefs, look at their orientation towards a shared center. Center, And so in a church, our center is Jesus. And what a, a centered set church does is it looks at are you heading towards Jesus or heading away? And those who are heading toward belong. And so uh, a great thing about a centered set is it can still have, take beliefs, behaviors, gives them importance and to a seriousness, like it matters. Yeah. Um, but, but my security isn't in the line of where I'm at in relation to line. My security is in the center and there's more room for process for journeying, for pilgrimage, because we see someone who, yeah, they they may be stumbling, not doing so well, but they're oriented towards the center. We're going to work with them. Um, And yeah just a a quick example from Galatians, even in in, when Paul. So, okay so Peter does it. He leaves the table. Paul is really upset with him. But what does Paul do? So like I asked my students, if Paul was fuzzy set what would he do? And, and some say, well, he wouldn't do anything like, cause he doesn't want to make Peter feel bad. Yeah. Or he might say, Hey, Peter, you know, like, I don't think that's too cool, but hey, you know, you're, you do your thing. I'll do mine. Um, let's try to get along. Um, that'd be fuzzy and bounded would be, would have an argument about the line and would say, Oh, wait a minute, you guys, that is not what's important. You know, it's this is what's important. And it's, it's, and, and so rather than saying, you know, instead of circumcision, what's really is important is, you know, are we tithing or something? That determines that's a yeah. table. But what does Paul say? He says, and, and it's, it's, it's directional language. He says to Peter, you are not walking heading. It is orthopedo, something like that in Greek, you know, the, where we get the orthopedic. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's your, your feet are not heading. In the direction of truth, you're you're the wrong way. Turn around, Peter. Hmm. Um, so he confronts him. Right. So a centered set still takes things seriously, um, but he confronts them. And I just yeah, one other little example of this hint of this in Galatians. There's two different times in Galatians where Paul says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is the thing. Mm. And it's and a bounded group that just like shorts their circuit because you're having this argument about, you know, these other missionaries that come in and say, you, you Jews, you Gentiles have to get circumcised. And and Paul is saying, no, you don't. You don't have to live like Jews. And so but then when he says neither circumcision or uncircumcision, well, it's like, well, OK, well, what is it? And, and so he's pointing, no, we're about something else here mm. than fighting over this line. Um, so. Yeah. So that's another. Uh, so I, with intentionality, sought to read Galatians through the lens of centered, uh, yeah, bounded, fuzzy, and centered with two aims. One is to understand those concepts better in a biblical sense, but also to see how that might help us. I might illuminate the reading of Galatians.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really helpful to see what Paul is doing and in- of we're, we're moving in a certain direction. Are we moving towards Christ? Are we moving away from Christ? Are we in Christ? Are we out of Christ? Um, he's, he's the center. Jesus is the center. Um, and so what does that look like then for, for us? If we're, we're taking Galatians, what does it look like? Because, you know, for us in the West, we read it through our own individualistic lenses um, and we see it individually. Um, but there is a, a sort of status that is happening in uh, in Galatia at, at the moment when when or back in Antioch when when Paul is telling the story of of Peter coming in and the Jews coming in, they're sitting at separate tables we have a an elevated status. Uh, you know the Gentiles have a, a lower status there there seems to be the status, type of mentality that is permeating through, uh, the, the culture. Um, but we have it here in the West. Um, we don't think about it. I don't think as much. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't permeate our thoughts, but we, I think we live it out. Um, and that's what a bounded set is. Can you think, can you talk a little bit about what is the difference then between, uh, status-keeping and keeping with this, the status quo and, and that bounded set, and then the difference between then having Jesus as the center or our identity is something else? Is identity and status a little different?
1: Well, those are great questions. Um, you yeah, know, let me riddle myself in a little bit here. Uh, so, and sort of first to say, as you're talking, the other lens I sought to read Galatians through is honor and shame, and so, and, and again, in both of these, I think they they point to there's greater riches in Galatians. So let me, um, yeah, let me first say something briefly about identity, um, in Galatians, and uh, yeah, let me. I, I think I'll just I'll read you a few sentences from the book. So this is in. Um, in Galatians 3 9, and so they, I'll read this. This is from the NIV. It says, um, uh, So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham. And then the next verse is, and all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. And um, so that English translation of have faith, I mean, that it's understandable that people translate well because it it flows better in English. But more literally, and, you know, even like you know, got New American Standard or King James, it's those who are of faith. And so, again, that's not, you know, that's not smooth English yeah. now. So it's understandable they, they do the other way. But but if we go with that way, so um, when I was working on this, J. Lewis Martin, especially, he emphasized he put identity in here. And he said, so when you say those are of faith, that's um that's identity, language. and and so he offers this um, his translation paraphrase of it is those whose um, so the for nine it's those whose identity is of in the faithfulness of Jesus, those who are of the faith. they are this is their identity. And in contrast, the others, those whose identity is derived from observance of the law. And so, mm. so he's expanding a little bit, but it's, it's basically those who are of circumcision, those who are of the faith of Jesus. So there is it just an yeah, identity sense is where are you putting your identity? And so back yeah. to what you said, Joshua, the, the bounded group, and I think this is a really significant observation is, you know, Lots of churches would say our center is Christ. Like that's, yeah. that's common Christian language. Um, but what, what happens in a bounded group, it's not that people don't believe Christ is their center. Yeah. You know, they say, they're going to say, Oh, no, Christ is not our center. But when you're secure, you're, you naturally put your attention where your security lies. Mm-hmm. And in a bounded group, the line is where your security is that's what tells me where i'm in if you go back to that example all those people in there with their white shirts and black ties short yep. hairs that that is that's their that's it telling them they belong and so they put importance to that their identity is in their white shirt black tie or ties um and so paul is saying are you of the circumcision group is that your identity or are you of the christ faithfulness is that where your identity um but, so then, but into status, and this, this is where, uh, just in working through this anew, working on this book, um, I thought more about, okay, status, honor, and shame. And I read a um, a dissertation by David Taylor, who worked at uh, Reading Galatians through an honor-shame lens. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a much better Bible scholar than I am, and got yeah into great depth on both honor shame culture at that time but also into some some Greek issues in in Galatians and what uh yeah there's there's this in Galatians 6 um so there's this this passage um where well, where Paul says uh this is verse 12 um those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. And so what he said, reading that through an honor-shame lens, so yeah, I read persecution, I think of, you know, martyrs or someone being put in prison. But, mm-hmm. but he's saying, you know, at that time, yeah, in, in an honor-shame sense, persecution is losing honor. And so he say, these people, they are seeking to you know, score religious points by getting you to live in the right way so that other Jewish people will be impressed with them. Jewish Christians will think, oh good, you got these people to live like us. Um, and other Jewish will will other Jews who aren't followers of Jesus will not be as negative towards them because they're behaving better. They're not it's not as scandalous. And Paul says this isn't, they don't really care about you. It's it's their honor that matters. That's what they're cared about. But then there's this, um, this fascinating thing goes to the next verse. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. So that you know they're having this achievement. Then he says, verse 14, May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and so, yeah. Previously, I thought that well, that's kind of oxymoronic. You know, may I never boast except in that, and think, well, okay, well, Paul's just using that word because he just said it about them. But you know, boasting is wrong. Paul doesn't really want us to boast. But, um, but David Taylor he points out actually, in the in their context, so for us, boasting is wrong. Like we right. shouldn't boast. But he said in their honor culture at the time, boasting was not. A was not an automatically bad thing. Boasting was a way that you're discerning what's honorable or not. So I say something. Um, and, and so I gave the example in the book. I say it's like, a, it's like a little, little child comes up and says, um, or a couple kids come up and say to the teacher, or the parent, or something, Oh, look what we did. And then how does the parent respond? So if the parent or the teacher responds positively, that lets everyone else in the room know, oh, this is a good thing to do. And so David Taylor says that's how boasting worked in their time. Someone would say, you know, something I've done. And then if if the, if the people respond positively, it informs this is appropriate behavior. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, I boast in the cross. Okay, now I'm, I'm on your status question. Okay, so status in Galatian, Paul says, I boast in the cross. But what did Jesus do at the cross? I and mean, it's it's the it's the total flipping upside down yeah. of the status system of the day. And so whereas you know, here's this instrument of shame, and Jesus is willing to be shamed for our salvation. Jesus is willing to be shamed, and is I mean this is through his life, not just yeah. the cross, to include the excluded. So What is Paul boasting in? He's boasting in an honor system that derives its identity, derives its status, not by putting others down, but actually by lifting others up. And so it's this radical, so my status, so it's not a rejection of honor, shame, culture, but it's a redefinition of what's honorable. And my status is in the way of Jesus, which is this yeah ironic thing that it's upside down to the way the world grabs status mm-hmm. um so and and so then you go back and read Romans or uh, galatians three twenty eight you know in Christ there's neither Greek nor Jew slave or free male or female, and it's because this status system has been undone, and I don't need to put someone else down my status is in Jesus. Okay, that was a short sermon. I'll uh, I'll
0: stop. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I I heard uh, the other day someone said that the exclusivity of Jesus is radically inclusive. That meaning that as we're moving towards Jesus, anybody can move towards Jesus. Uh, We're all invited to the table. Uh, It's your decision if you want to come to the table or not. But the table of Jesus is wide open. Um, But he wants you at the table. Um, and that's that's pretty scandalous for for a lot of uh, people that are living with judgmentalism or religiosity, or the, this place where this is our, our people, this is how you get in, um, or and if you want to look like us, you could be in. But Jesus says, no, anybody's invited to the table, but they have to be moving towards me. Um, yes. I'm the way. So as the, he mo- as we move towards Jesus, we're at the table. Um, yes. So what does that how does that inform the way that we start to to live in the world? How do we create open tables that are not fuzzy, but they're towards Jesus, um, and they're they're radically inclusive, um, and we get rid of this judgmentalism, but we could be about jesus himself
1: yeah and 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 so that's where i think we come very that's where the fuzzy thing is really important to say because the answer to your question would be oh well just you know get real line and then right. we're then everyone's yeah. included but that's not the way of jesus um and so i think that's you know very important to underscore here that that so well, yeah, when you when you ask the question the first thing I thought of well the first thing we have to do is you know erase the line we have to attack the boundedness. Yeah. Um but fuzzy does that. But we don't just erase the line to say everyone in. We erase the line to say everyone is welcome. And yeah, and I mean I, I love your phrase that I mean Jesus is radically inclusive but not universally so and and this is where again i think galatians as a whole the letter is so helpful because paul both has this confrontation of line drawing religiosity and saying that is not the way peter stop (laughs) but then if you know you look at the last two chapters of galatians what's it talking about it's I mean, first it's the work of the flesh and it's all these things. Avoid all this, you know, envious and backbiting and slander and drunkenness, and then fruit of the spirit. Um, and then Galatians six one, you know, if someone is if someone sins, then come alongside them gently and correct them. Um and you know, carry each other's burdens. So I think um yeah, for us, it is this sense of radical welcoming because the place of the table, Galatians would tell us 2.16, it's because of what Jesus has done. It's not based on my achievement. So we're radically inclusive because we can say to anyone else, you are welcome to the table. This table is set by Jesus, not by what we've done. Um. But then at that table, we are, where's our identity? We are people of Jesus. And yeah. so Paul makes very clear calls us to live in the way of Jesus. Um, so our because of having our identity in Jesus rather in the line, we can we can allow for yeah, I wouldn't say more permeability, messing this on the edges. Like we, we can be more inviting of people without without this tension of what's this say about me. Um, but it is, but we're centered on Jesus and that has implications. So it's not just, hey, yeah, anything goes. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, that's helpful. I, uh, Paul is talking a little bit. We get freedom from... We get freedom from sin. We get freedom from something. So, what is this freedom from? Like, what is Paul's uh, thing that says, "Oh, this is what's bounding us up. This is what's what's inhibiting us from coming together uh, and living out this radical way of of grace." Um, what is this freedom from? What's he saying?
1: Yeah. So and. And this is clear. So Paul does not use the language of bounded group, right? right. That's that's something I'm saying. I think this can help us understand, Paul. Um, but, And this is where, too, I think, yeah, Hebert has borrowed these concepts from math. their are concepts or ways of understanding, um, which I think are very helpful. But I think Paul even goes a layer deeper by... I think getting into a sense of spiritual forces, principalities, and powers, and there's there's a really surprising um, couple sentences in chapter four of Galatians, where Paul is is talking, and and so first in um, where is this in uh, yeah four three, he says when we were children, we were in slavery under the Stoicheia. And so is spiritual forces, basic principles, uh, spiritual um, elemental forces, different ways of translating that. But he's saying we were under these things in slavery. And so here he's saying we Jewish people. But then a few verses later, talking now to the Gentile um, believers, he says um, in verse 8, Formerly, when you did not go know God, you were slaves to those who are by nature not God. But now that you know God, or rather you know God, how is it that you turning back to these stoicheia, the same thing, these spiritual forces? Okay, so just think about this for a moment. So Paul is saying, I used to be, we Jews were enslaved um, to these spiritual forces. And now he's saying, and you, you Gentile Christian, used to be in this paganism and stuff, why are you turning back to these enslaving forces, and I feel like I imagine them wanting to, them to, you know, sort of raise their hand at that point and say, "Oh, wait a minute, Paul! You know, we're not going back to paganism. You know, we're, we're this is we're, we're in this Christian way. These other missionaries, they're Christians. They're just helping us." But but Paul is equating. I mean, this this surprising thing. He's equating this former way of Judaism that he was zealously about, their former paganism. And this new expression of Christianity that these other missionaries have brought that includes this sense of, you know, living by Jews. And he puts them all as enslaving forces. Now, Paul is not there trashing the Old Testament or trashing the way of Jesus. But, but what I think, what it, what it gets at is there are these, this spiritual power of religion. Which grabs hold of good things such as the law in the Old Testament or, you know, our Christian faith today. And it turns it into an enslaving force. Mm -hmm. So I think to your question, what are we freed from? I think uh, this chapter four points to we are liberated from this spiritual power that confuses and this is where, you know, Luther's certainly on the right track. It confuses what's the orientation, what's the work that's significant. Is it God's work liberating us or my work, our work to try to please God? That's religion. Is it me, you know, bounded group drawing a line to get my security out of these things we've done? Or is it putting my security in what God has done? So I think all liberates us Um not just from wrong information about salvation, gospel, mm-hmm. grace, but also liberates us from this tendency to go the way of these spiritual powers that that enslave. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just one last thing I'd say about that. Which again, when when what does it liberate us from? To the point I made, everyone in this letter has already you know, to use our language, as we see Jesus as our savior, they've already experienced grace. And what that says to me then is, um, I need to keep hearing this liberating message of Galatians. I need to continue to be liberated from these spiritual forces because my natural tendency is to go towards judgmentalism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when I was growing up, it was my list of you know, don't drink, smoke, dance. And that's what a way I used to judge other people that are good Christians. I, and, but today, I am most likely to become judgmental about someone else's judgmentalism. Um, <laughs> but it's still judgmentalism, right? Yeah. It's still me feeling superior, like, oh, look at those people, how how bounded they are. <laughs> and as soon as I say that, I've just drawn a line. Yeah. So, But through the work of Jesus,
0: I can be Free of that. Mm. Well, I think this gets into something that I think it's, we often miss um, because I think of the West, we have a, a very scientific worldview where we see what is observable and this is the way that that things are. And if we, if we change something up this way, things are going to shift and change and we're going to be okay if we just say we're going to move from a um, from drinking to not drinking, we'll be okay, or whatever it is, we're going to be fine because yeah. it's observable and we can see it. And we then we go to to church, um, or other people go to other religious institutions for answers to, you know, where where do we come from? Who is God? Where are we going after we die? All these these cosmic answers, these questions. Often, I think of the West, we exclude these spiritual forces, this spiritual powers, this middle part that we often don't wrestle with, which a lot of the rest of the world wrestles with all the time. Um, but in the West, we we just ignore it. Um, and we often think some of our our problems are not spiritual in nature. They're, we're not you know moving through by different spiritual forces or we're not being influenced by. Um, we just have to change our behavior and we're going to be okay or we have to think on eternity more and we're going to be okay um so how how do we get in the West a, a more robust view of the spiritual powers to know that that's part of what's happening within the our church bodies that we need to to wrestle with
1: you did a great job of explaining uh that in briefly about that you know that <laughs> middle thing and let me so yeah with humility um to say for me and I don't think I have a great full answer to that but to one thing in relation to the topic we're talking about um so yeah as you can tell I'm passionate about these the, these concepts this tool of bounded fuzzy and centered um but I think a way that I can on uh, get on the wrong path in relation to this based on what you were just saying is to start putting my confidence in the tool itself like mm-hmm. if you you know if you have this diagram and you start thinking about orientation toward the center then you're golden like this is good and whereas yeah I think Paul and Galatians, Calls me to recognize, um, you know, it's not just this diagram that's going to save us and keep us on the right path because there are spiritual forces that are seeking to take advantage of our tendencies in this direction. Our, you know, our longing for status and identity, and they will grab hold of things and use them. So I can't just teach bounded, fuzzy, and centered. I also need to teach, preach, and for myself, pray and live out that through that there really are powers that use these things. and I need to, yeah, rest and rely on the victory through Jesus, you know, death and resurrection that brings the ability, to be able to yeah so if i'm you know in back in that situation of peter there at antioch peter could have said could have thought about resurrection power and said i am free it doesn't matter yeah. what those people think like i but but instead he gave into the power to the force um so i have that same thing and and yeah i i, I need that the spiritual victory of Jesus, not just my handout sheet—you know, the PDF that I just invited you all to look at. Uh,
0: the PDF is helpful, um, but we do, yeah, we need to to boast in in the the cross and, and in and Jesus and and lift lift others up. And I think that's helpful. Um, so if we look at at identity, we look at status. We we looked at at bounded, centered when it comes to Galatians. Uh, is there any other other things that we haven't touched on that you think that you want to draw out that is important for us uh as we look at Galatians? Um Yeah, well and you already I mean you mentioned
1: the community thing very well. Um so I I, I won't highlight that. Let me um and and I've I've said this implicitly, let me say it explicitly. Um a benefit of reading galatians um through the through the lens of what's going on in antioch versus the lens of luther's experience is and and i did this you know in ministry and you know yeah youth ministry as a missionary how did i use galatians because I was reading through the lens of Luther's experience, I thought, oh, this is a letter for people who are confused about salvation by grace or salvation by works. And so when I encountered some of that situation, I said, well, let's read Galatians. But it was never for me. Hmm. You know, it was for them. <laughs> that, Like, they're the ones that are confused. So I, I'm doing a Bible study in Galatians for them, not for me. So I guess that... Another thing I would like to highlight is Galatians is a letter of import for all of us, mm. not just them. So I, yeah, so I read it now for me, for us, not just them. So that's one thing. The, the other thing, um, is, and I first, um, yeah, be- became, excited about Galatians in a context of strong legalism in Honduras but also a place where there was a lot of indifference to what I'd call a holistic gospel and so I was I was working in a very very poor neighborhood as a, a squatter neighborhood and there were like 10 different churches in the neighborhood and all of them were um fairly indifferent or maybe even hostile to uh yeah to 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 talking about Christian responsibility towards the poor and injustices I mean they would there would there would be some charity to people in their churches, but in the sense of you know getting into the neighborhood and addressing poverty and yeah it just was not part of there and so why is this going on and and what i what I came, yeah and I won't give the whole thing here but but my my sermonright thesis became oh i think I think we there was a sense of viewing, um, you know, Hamus or Isaiah 58, or even, you know, Luke four of the, I've come to preach to the, um, you know, the gospel for the poor and the blind and the liberate the captives to see that, oh, those are good things, but not central because we got our gospel from Paul. And so I think another thing I would add to the list you said is if we can appreciate Paul's gospel is yes strongly concerned about an individual's relationship hmm. with Jesus um and also strongly concerned about the community as you'd already said and then also and how the community is living and that yeah. that the, then I think It enables us to read other things. It enables, yeah, the gospel to be bigger and broader um, in a holistic way in Paul and not just in yeah Luke 4, Amos, Isaiah,
0: things like that. So that'd be another thing I would add. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really helpful. And the holistic gospel is, is needed. What does it look like to see the kingdom of God come here on earth in wholeness? Um, good. I have a couple, a couple of little questions for you at the end. So this one, you may have to think a little bit about, but, uh, if you could have a, a dinner party with, with anybody, uh, dead or alive, any four people who would you have a dinner party with? Wow.
1: Um, yeah, well right now, I mean Paul comes immediately to mind just because we're talking about him <laughs> yeah. so much. I don't know if, if I would always say that, but I'll say Paul right now. Um I um Will Campbell was a renegade Southern Baptist pastor who he's a storyteller and he had a very significant impact on my life. Mm-hmm. I would I'd love to have him at the table and he would make it uh a lot more yeah, quite interesting. Let's see, um, and yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm watching The Chosen right now, yeah. like many other people, and it it has me just you know curious about yeah I'm thinking more about Jesus' disciples. So I would take um, a, yeah, not one particular, but it just it'd be it'd be fun to have a disciple of Jesus at the table. And let me see, that's three. I go, I'll go with Jacques Lual. He was a French sociologist theologian had a big impact on me as well. So or was that four or five?
0: That's know. perfect. That's great. That would be interesting. That'd be a fun little little dinner party right yes. there. That would be great. Um is there a there a thin place for you, a place where you feel uh the presence of God a uh, little bit more uh innately? Where do you go when you want to to be close?
1: Yeah, like, I'm I'm very,
0: you know, nature wilderness
1: oriented. Um, so that would be, yes, yeah, sitting along a stream where I can hear rapids or something like that would be my thin place in the individual sense. Um, although I would say, yeah, I've had such deep experiences in Honduras where I was a missionary that dropped me down into a little church somewhere in Honduras singing mm-hmm. praise songs,
0: and I'm I'm quickly into yourself. So. Hmm. Yeah, uh, beautiful. Uh, how can people connect with you uh, in your book uh, and uh, anything else you want to say?
1: Yeah, so let me. Yeah, so this, the the thing I already mentioned, um, centeredsetchurch dot com, has information about this book and my other book on centered set church, and also some videos. And my email address is at the bottom of the first page of that. And I guess what, yeah, one other thing I'd like to say about this book was it, this is written, um, it's part of a series, um, uh, commentary series that is designed for use by groups. So this is not a, this is written for lay people, um, not a lot of scholarly footnotes and things like that discussion questions at the end. So just to, yeah, put that on the genre of the book.
0: Perfect. Yeah, it'd be great for uh, any groups to, to come and get this uh, book, Freedom from Religiosity and Judgmentalism, um, and so looking at Mark's uh, study of Galatians. Uh, and so, Mark, thank you for this conversation. Uh, it was great. It was fascinating to to really look at Galatians in a new way, a uh, new lens through bounded and centered sets, uh, fuzzy sets, to look at it through the lens of honor-shame. Um, status and identity. Look at it through what what Paul is really after as we're we're coming together uh, as the body of Christ that it's written to a group of believers uh, and not just uh, pre-believers that are wanting to enter into uh, the relationship with Jesus. So thank you for contrasting what we typically think of what uh, what it looks like as Luther's view of Galatians. Uh, and just reading it for for what it is. Um, so thank you for this conversation. It was really good. I loved it. Thank you very much. It was great to be with you again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shiftingculture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shiftingculture, uh, you will get early access to episodes, you will get episode guides, you will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more.